This is the Elevate Student Ministry Podcast. Hi, I'm Pastor Dominic. Welcome to the Elevate Podcast. I'm crazy grateful for all of you who subscribe, share, and leave reviews. If this is your first time, welcome to the Elevate community. Like our home church, Living Word, I and the Elevate leaders work as hard as we can to build an atmosphere of love to exalt Christ, make disciples, and equip the saints. It would mean the world to us if you helped us get the word out by sharing this episode on social media. If you'd like to learn more about Elevate, visit us at iloveelevate.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram and subscribe to the podcast. Thank you for everything you do, which brings faith, hope, and love to the world around you. Oh man, I love serving the Lord with you guys. It is a pleasure. And we're in the middle of such a fun series. It is blown my mind. I hope it stretched you as much as it has stretched me. If you have missed any of the past five weeks, definitely get on the podcast. You can search on any popular podcast platform, Elevate Student Ministry, and catch up with us because everything that we're talking about tonight is hinging on what we've been talking about so far. So I'm going to try to catch you up as best as I can. Also, if the information that we're covering on any of these nights is dense, you can go to the podcast page of iloveelevate.com and all of the notes that I'm looking at in depth are right there. You can download in PDF and you can review or follow along. The most important thing about us is what comes to mind when we think about God. Because if we believe that God is just a senile grandpa, then we're going to be fine living our lives however we want. If we believe that our God is omnipotent and omniscient, if he has all knowledge and he loves us, it will change the way that we walk. It will change the way that we speak, how we interact with people. It'll change the very direction of our lives because suddenly our lives are a lot less about me and they're a lot more about him. There are two categories of God's attributes. So far, we've been talking about God's greatness, the attributes of his infinite power, that he is everywhere present, that he is self-existent, that he is, has all power within himself, that he is completely sovereign and in control. These are the attributes that define God as being God. They are solely belonging to the creator. And then there's another category of attributes which show us his perfect personality. And these are the traits of God that he shares with his people that we can take part in through the power of his Holy Spirit and through the redemption of Jesus. He allows us to share in these attributes. And tonight we're going to talk about that God is love. And I hope that tonight ruins you. I hope that it totally changes the way you see what love is. That every time you hear someone talk about how much they love their boyfriend, or you hear about movies or music or, or stories or whatever, that you are just ruined on what love is. Because suddenly something's been pulled back that you see the value, the depth, the how profound true love really is. And the love that you see around you, most of it does not live up to it. Most of it is empty and shallow. And I hope that you'll go a step further and you will crave what is real. You will look for and desire what bears weight by who God is. You see, we're not going to try to define love and apply it to God. What we're going to do is we're going to look at the attribute of who God is and we're going to allow that to define what love actually is. There's a very simple story. A gentleman named David Lee Witherspoon 
Jr. was leaving his job in Phoenix, and he was on his way to a food pantry, a place that he volunteers, and he saw a man, a homeless man, literally crawling on the ground. This is Phoenix, Arizona. It gets into the 120 degrees easily, and so the pavement exceeds temperatures even beyond that. And a man is crawling on the ground because he has no shoes, and so he has pulled his shorts down over his knees. He's taken the socks he does have and puts them on his hands, and he's crawling on his hands and knees on the hot pavement. Immediately, David Witherspoon pulls his car over, and he gets out, and he gives the man his own shoes. Like that is something special. You know what? Maybe that's simple enough that it should call us to action. We don't have to cross the nation. We don't have to cross the seas to be just a little bit more like Jesus. That is a good Samaritan story. Here is someone who is hurting. I happen to have what they need. I don't have to do everything. I just feel called to do something. That is love. That is putting someone else over. He put this man over himself. He closed the distance between the two of them. He chose to love this guy no matter the condition. This love was a reflection of God. 1 John 4, 8 through 10 is a powerful statement. He or she who does not love does not know God. We get our definition and our lifestyle from who God is, from the attribute of God. If he is all power, if he is self-existent, and he did never, if God never acquired love, then all love must be from God. Are you following me? And any love that we actually see that is true love is a part of him. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. He defines himself as love. Just as a caveat, we don't worship love. Love is not God. But one of God's overarching attributes that is bleeding into every one of his attributes is love. God is holy and just because he is love. He defends his people with justice against unrighteousness because he is love. So when we look at God's wrath, it is also an outflowing of his love because his wrath is poured out against the very thing that damages his people because he is a jealous God because he loves. Are you following me? This is so important for us to understand as one of his attributes. For God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested towards us. How do we see God's love? That God sent his only begotten son into the world, that we might live through him. God sent his son so we may live. In this is love. Not that we loved God. We didn't love God first. But that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Propitiation simply means that an appeasement, that God's wrath is poured out against me and my sin, and Jesus' death on the cross appeases God's justice. I had a debt I could not pay, and what Jesus did on the cross for me paid that debt. John, 1 John 4.16 again says it. God is love. To know God is to understand what love is. Consider our culture. Our culture has an obsession 
with what they define as love. Every story, every book, every movie, every song, it seems like, it's like you can't go anywhere without love being shoved down your throat. And it makes you feel like you're a total loser if you don't happen to be in a relationship right now. There's constantly apps that have, of dating apps and dating sites and everything is just swirling around this idea of love. Some of the hot button issues are who's allowed to love who? Free love. Everybody loves everybody because it all comes down to this almost a worship of what, I hate to use the word love, but there's a worship of this emotion. Over $60 billion is spent on wedding costs alone every year. And that doesn't include engagement rings or honeymoons. There's an obsession about love in our culture. The dictionary defines love as this, an intense feeling of deep affection. So we are defining love with human understanding in human language, and we're taking that self-derived definition of love, so human understanding, human language, and we're taking the definition we made up, and so often we try to apply this to God. And it gives us this twisted, empty, broken view of who God is. Maybe when we take that understanding of love and apply it to God, we get things like, God must feel really emotional about us. And if he feels really emotional about us, maybe he loves us so much that he doesn't judge or punish anything that I'm going to do. Maybe he just loves no matter what my lifestyle is because it's just an intense affection, right? Or maybe it's the other side. Maybe because it's just God's intense emotion about me that whenever I really mess up, God's love stops. Because isn't that how our love works? We look around and we see that divorce is at 53%. We see people breaking up all the time. The very people that, that told each other they loved each other now say they hate each other. So God must stop loving me when I get really messy. Because we're taking a human understanding in human language that we made up and applying it to God. And we're going to turn our direction. We're going to look at God and use him to define love tonight. the first thing that we look at when we see God as love is bigger than what we can wrap our minds around. God's love is first pre-existent and eternal. His love goes as far that way on the timeline as it goes that way on the timeline. Because God is Trinity, we talked about this last year, that there is already perfect love shared within the Godhead himself, the Father loving the Son, the Son loving the Spirit, the Spirit loving the Father, That means that, as we talked about last week, love pre-existed life. There was already love from eternity past before God ever sat down to create. This Judeo-Christian perspective is the only faith where love precedes life. If God is self-existent, if he's self-sufficient, if he has never changed, then that means any love that we do see, as I've already said, must be from God. Even before creating, believe it or not, he loved you. Like before you were ever, what do they say, a twinkle in your father's eye. Well, that's strange. Before you were born, before even your parents were born, before there was an America, before history itself, God already knew you and loved you. Ephesians 1, 3 through 5, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. 
So as far as you can go backwards on the timeline, he already loved you. And his love for you is also eternal. Jeremiah 31.3, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. With our human understanding of love, our understanding of human love, we may think that God's love is just for a season, that it comes and goes, that it's fickle, that it disappears as fast as it comes, that he wants something from us, or that he'll quit when things get messy. But he knows already your every action. He knows every word you're going to speak. He knows every thought you're going to think. And knowing you entirely and completely from the beginning of your life to the moment you take your last breath, he loves you completely, passionately, wholly. 123 times God's word says that his love endures forever. You think the author is trying to make a point? His love endures forever. I could stand up here and say it 121 more times, and I would just be scratching the surface of how much he loves you. And you know what? His love is not cold. It's not calculating. It's not robotic. His love is passionate. It's overflowing. It's beautiful. Zephaniah 3.17 says that Yahweh your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. God's making up songs about you because he loves you so much. He loves you passionately. God's love is preexistent and eternal. Number two, God's love is sacrificial. Slow down and pay attention right here. This is so important. We define sacrifice as the act of giving up something that you want for something else or to help someone. David Witherspoon put a homeless guy over himself and sacrificed his shoes, his work shoes, for this guy. 1 John 4, 8-10. through 10. This is our key verse for the night. He who does not love God does not know God, for God is love. In this is the love of God was manifested towards us. How does he show his love? How does it manifest? That God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. God, through Jesus Christ, said, I'm choosing them over myself. I'm choosing their freedom, and I am accepting complete punishment. I'm accepting their punishment. God gave his son the greatest gift and sacrifice he could ever give. God gave it all, everything he had to give for us. Spurgeon says in this way, God gave God himself. God the Father gave God the Son. There was sin, and God's wrath is poured out against all wickedness. And God himself steps out of heaven to pay the penalty for the sin which God is holding us accountable for. What kind of love is that? It's love on both sides. Of course, he must love to be angry, to be wrathful against what is crippling his people, what is rebelling against him, and how much his love is poured out that he would bear the sacrifice. If we define love by God, then love Write this down, text it to yourself, don't get lost. If we define love by who God is, then love is sacrifice and nothing less. It will always be sacrifice and nothing less. 
I love you means I choose you and I set myself apart. I set what I want apart to be yours. This is what Jesus did for us. He changed positions with us. He was the sacrificial lamb who took the death that we deserved. And behold, innocent Jesus became that sacrifice. Jesus models that love is never merely an emotion, ever. How could we love our enemies if we're waiting to feel emotional towards our enemies? Love is never an emotion. It's never a stagnant idea. It is always action on behalf of someone else. James argues that faith without works is dead. I'm telling you that scripture teaches us that love without sacrifice is just as dead, just as empty. What does a mother do for her child? She sacrifices. What does a soldier do for his country? He sacrifices. Why is Mother Teresa so renowned throughout all the world because of her work with the leprous colony in Calcutta? Because of her sacrifice. If you have only ever walked in selfishness, then you have never loved. Let that sink in. If you have not been willing to put your mom and dad over yourself lately. You have not loved them lately. I don't care how emotional you feel about somebody. If you're not willing to be selfless towards them, you have not loved them and you do not love them. When was the last time you were selfless for your friends? When's the last time you sacrificed for a stranger? Because we cannot say that we walk in the love of Jesus. If we are not willing to elevate them over our desires, if we're not willing to sacrifice for them. When was the last time you loved lately? Because you will give your greatest treasures to those things that you love. You will give your time, your energy, and money. So you need to evaluate where is your time, energy, and money going. You may have to reevaluate what your priorities really are. Do you really love video games or shopping or whatever it is? Or do you really love those things that you're sacrificing to have these empty things? We have to reevaluate when we understand what love is. And let's just take a little glimpse at God's love. The first level of love, like the bottom level down here, this is where we love the people that love us back. These are our family, our friends, the people we get along with, the people that are really easy. Oh, we just love them so much. We're willing to give big gifts for them. We make all sorts of time for them. We'll stay up late on the phone for them. Bottom level, right? But Jesus takes it to another level. In Luke 6, he says, if you love someone who loves you back, don't even, like, sinners do that? Don't wicked people at least love people that love them back? But then he takes it to another level. Next level. Are we willing to love strangers and people that are hard to love? People that are unlovable, unlovely. Jesus is, I love this, Luke 6.35 says that, pay attention, Jesus is kind to the unfaithful, the ungrateful, and the wicked. It's easy to show love to someone that's like, thank you so much. It's hard to show love to someone who actually doesn't care, who is ungrateful for the sacrifice that you made for them. And Jesus is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. That's, that's the Jesus kind of love. And then there's a third level. Here's, here's where we start getting to understanding how deep God's love is. And the third level is that Jesus loves his enemies. Not the people that are just 
uninterested, not the people that just don't care. He loves the people that are actively hating him, the very people that want to do him harm. Jesus hangs on the cross, looks at the people that hung him there and said, forgive them, Father, they don't understand what they're doing. Romans 5.8, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners, while we were still in rebellion against him, while we were still seething and snapping and spitting at him, Jesus died for us. John 15.13, no greater love has a man than that he lays down his life for his friends. And Jesus says in John 10, I lay down my life for my sheep, for my people. The people that love us back, the strangers and the hard to love, you know who some of the hard to love are? Our enemies. And God's love is for even his enemies. And you know what he does? And Jesus turns around and he says, here's my love. And I'm calling you to follow me. Luke 6, 35 to 36 Love your enemies. Do good to them. You must be compassionate, just as your Father is compassionate. To who? Your enemies. He calls us to follow him. Love is sacrifice. Nothing less. That's how you can love your enemies, when you're willing to sacrifice. When your love isn't based on an emotion. As long as you're waiting to feel emotional about that parent that hurt you, as long as you're waiting to feel emotional towards that person that forgot about you, it will never happen. You will never forgive them. It will always come down to a choice. I choose to show compassion to someone that's unlovable. I choose to show kindness to someone that hates me. That is the love of our God, and it's the love of our God that through his Holy Spirit and what Jesus did on the cross, he shares with us to walk in. What is the fruit of the Spirit? Love. It's sacrifice and nothing less. So his love is preexistent and eternal. His love is sacrifice. God's love, number three, decreases distance. Someone's over there, and they're not moving, and God's love does this. It's that simple. God's love is pursuing. I don't know if you've had that first relationship or maybe that, that best friend, and all of a sudden you just, you just want to be around them all the time. You're on the phone all the time. You're like texting constantly, Instagram. You know, you just always want to be around them. God's love is like that towards us. He gave himself the name Emmanuel. And it means God with us. Here's transcending God who made dirt people. And his love is so great that he wants to walk with us. John 1.14, And the word, talking about Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son of the Father. God, who is transcendent, had his people who were fallen and sinners and sunk in death And God stepped out of heaven and closed the gap between us. We couldn't reach him, and he came to us. He stepped out of heaven and gave us the opportunity to know him. There's this great little story about a mom who had her father over to the house, and she had her baby in this playpen. And her father was notorious that whenever the kid went into the playpen because he was being disobedient, the the grandfather would let the kid out and play with him. 
And so she's leaving the living room and she goes, Dad, he's been in trouble. Leave him in the playpen. This is his punishment. You're not allowed to let him out. And so she goes into the kitchen and she hears the sound of the playpen rattle and the gate open. And she's like, oh, Dad. And so she stomps into the living room to realize that Grandpa climbed into the pen with the baby. Like, that's the God we serve. We were in trouble. We were stuck in our sin. And God goes, I'm coming to you. God's love decreases distance. I love these two stories where Jesus shows this. The first one is, as you know, most people call it the prodigal son. Since I heard this great sermon by Louis Giglio, I call it the prodigal father. Because prodigal means like this great rejoicing and and lavish uh, lifestyle. And you have this story of this kid and his brother and the kid decides he wants to get out of, out of Dodge. He wants to leave home. And so he takes the, the money that his dad would owe him when he dies, and he just goes out. And he spends it on prostitutes and drinking and partying until all of a sudden he's out of money and life's hard. And he's sitting with pigs, wishing he could eat the pig's food. And he comes to himself and says, man, even the servants at home are eating better than I am. I'm just going to go repent to my dad. Y'all know the story, right? And so this kid's coming home, and for some reason, the father sees him way down in the distance. The father's not farming. The father's not playing around in the house. The father is like, I don't know, on the front porch, and he sees him way out there. Maybe he's been waiting for him this whole time. And instead of the son making up the distance, what happens? The father, in joy, in lavish excitement, throws a party, but it begins with the father sprinting to the son making up the distance. And he wraps him up and he puts a robe on him and the son can't even get his confession out. He can't even say he's sorry. And the father's like putting a ring on his finger and he's like, kill the fat calf. We're going to party tonight. My son's come home. The father makes up the distance. But the story doesn't end there. Because remember there was a son that was left home? And he felt really proud of himself because he's not the one that went off and did all the sin and blew the money and betrayed dad. And so the, the son that stayed home is like, upset. He's angry. He's the one that messed up. He's the one that betrayed us. He's the one that left and you're throwing a party for him. And so he doesn't even want to come into the party. He's like hanging out in the shadows. And what what does the dad do? The dad goes out to him. He doesn't send a servant to go get him. The father, again, even with the son who is self-righteous, the father closes the distance and calls the son to come be a part. Again and again, God portrays himself as a father that is always closing the distance. But then just like with the previous principle that we talked about, Jesus calls us to follow him and tells another story, the story of the Good Samaritan. And you know this one, right? Hide your heads, yes, right? This is the story about this Jew, this good guy, who's on the road and gets jumped and beat up, and he's left bloody on the road and broke and everything's stolen. And what happens? The first, the priest comes by, and he sees this guy bloody on the road, and what what does he do? He crosses the other side. He increases distance and keeps going. And then a Levite comes, and he sees this guy, and what does he do? He increases the distance. And then there's the Samaritan. And you have to understand, the Samaritan was not the good guy in the story. The Samaritan is the atheist. The Samaritan is is the, the jerk at school that just doesn't like people because the Samaritan and the Jews don't like each other. And it's the Samaritan that sees this guy in the road and he closes the distance. And he helps this guy. And he pays for him to be taken care of and he binds up his wounds. 
And then Jesus looks at everybody else and goes, be like the Samaritan. Get over yourself. Close the distance to show love. Love is sacrifice, and it's nothing less. Love decreases distance. The next thing that we see about God's love is that God's love is unconditional. It is without stipulations. It is not based on good or bad. It is not based on on circumstances. God's love is without conditions. Psalm 103, verses 8 and 11 Yahweh is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. Abounding in steadfast love. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast, his eternal, his everlasting, his unconditional love towards those who fear him. Romans 8, 38-39, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation. Anything in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ our Lord Jesus. It is not based on conditions. There's a difference between mercy and grace. Mercy is not giving the punishment that someone does deserve. That's mercy. Jesus gave us mercy that we didn't get the punishment we deserve. But then there's grace, which is the other side of the coin, that actually gives a blessing to someone who does not deserve to be blessed. That's grace. Love is always grace. Your sacrifice for someone, your gift giving for someone, your time, your energy, your treasure, your talents, whatever you are giving, it is always a grace. It is always a gift that someone doesn't deserve. Are you willing to give grace? But you know what? This kind of love is most recognizable whenever it's not deserved. Love is choosing someone over yourself even whenever you don't have good feelings about that person. If love was conditional, then a married couple couldn't find romance after someone was after there was infidelity. They would never be able to find romance again. And yet we have testimony after testimony of relationships who have been through it. And they're able to say, God redeemed us. God made a way. We're able to love again. If love was conditional, a persecuted Christian would never be able to show love to their jailer. If love was conditional, then God would never have chosen us. He wouldn't have chosen you or me. I don't care how good you think you are. If love was conditional, we would be all destined for hell. I love the saying from the Jewish Mishnah, whenever love depends on some selfish end, when the end passes away, the love passes away. It's gone. But if it does not depend on some selfish end, it will never pass away. Love is sacrifice. Love closes distance. Love is without selfish conditions. It has to be, or it is not love, because that is the kind of love that reflects, that is from our God. You know, we can't comprehend unconditional love through human understanding. We are so based on conditions. We're so stuck in a broken world. God's love is higher and wider and greater and deeper than we'll ever see around us. 1 Corinthians 13, 4, and then jumping to 7 through 8, love is patient, love is kind. Y'all know this, right? This is where God defines love. 
he closes with saying that love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, and love never ends, or love never fails. And guess what? Jesus calls him to follow him, calls us to follow him. Mark 12, 31, you should love your neighbor as yourself. Who's my neighbor? The guy you don't like. Who's my neighbor? Your enemy. Who's my neighbor? The person you avoid at all costs. It's not just the people that love you back. Jesus says, go and act like a Samaritan. Love is sacrifice. It's nothing less. Love decreases distance. Love is unconditional. Oh, and this is so beautiful. God's love is a choice. It's never an emotion. 1 John 4.10, in this is love, not that we loved God. It wasn't based on whether we loved him or not. It wasn't conditional, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. He chose us. John 15.16, you did not choose me. I chose you. God is the great initiator, the great pursuer. He set his heart upon you. This overflowing, expounding affection, he chose you. And it's not based on how good you are. Martin Luther said, God did not love us because we were valuable. We're valuable because God loved us. We're insignificant. We're a speck on a speck floating in space in a speck of a solar system in a speck of a galaxy in the universe. Who are we in the eyes of infinite God except that the eyes of infinite God would move and focus in and care about us? Deuteronomy 7, 7 through 8, God is talking to Israel, which represents his people now. It was not because you are more in number than any other people or nation that Yahweh set his love on you and chose you. All right, so why? For you are the fewest of all peoples. But it is because Yahweh loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers. He chose you because he loves you. He loves you because he chose you. Because he loves you. Because he chose you. And again, God calls us. Jesus calls us to follow him. 1 John 4, 7. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God. It doesn't come from anywhere else. Not this kind of love. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Love is sacrifice and nothing less. Love decreases distance. Love is unconditional. Love is always a choice. I choose you and I set myself aside for you. That is our God. You might be thinking, how can I follow Jesus in in lofty, unreachable levels like this? How can I love my enemies? How can I love unconditionally? This is so much bigger than anything I could ever give. Let me throw a hard verse at you. Galatians 2.20. I, me, this is me. This is my fate. This is what's happened. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I, small, weak, fickle me. It is no longer I who live, but it's Christ. It is God. It is the God who calls himself love who lives in me. And the life I now live, 
in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And so the same God that gave himself holy as not only the example, but also the means of my ability to no longer be the old me is now flowing through me to do things I could never do. What a good God we serve. It's not in our strength. It's not according to our feelings. We love in these ways because the one who is love lives in us and through us. Our old selves are gone and we are remade with a new nature. His Holy Spirit is living through us, bringing out the fruit of His Spirit. The chief of these is love. The greatest of these, in comparison with faith and hope and the rest of them, the greatest of these is love. The rest are an umbrella beneath it. You may have heard of the evangelist named Watchman Nee. He's a Chinese evangelist, and he tells a story of a Christian that he knew in China. This gentleman was a rice farmer. And he lived up on a mountain. And every day he pumped water into his rice paddies and the water would flow down the side of the mountain. So he had to build levees to to hold the water in on his rice. And so every morning he would go out and he would pump for hours and hours getting water to his new rice. And every morning he started finding that his his non-believer neighbor was pulling the dike out and allowing the water to flow into his own fields, leaving his fields starving for water. And day after day after day, he would put in these hours and hours of work only to find that his neighbor had drained his water into his own field. Anybody like angry right now? Like a little bit? Especially the guys in here like that we love work and we want to see the, the means of our work come to an end. And so he prayed, God, what do I do about this? This guy doesn't love you. He's not acting obviously in your character. How can I... How can I love the way you love? How can I love sacrificially? How can I close the distance? How can I be unconditional? How can I choose him over myself? And so God spoke to him. And the next morning, this guy woke up early, and he went out, and he pumped water for his neighbor first. Then he went, and he pumped his own water every day until his neighbor actually came to know Jesus as his own Savior. Because of love that was sacrificial, love that closed distances, love that was unconditional, love that was a choice. And these four come from a love of a God who is preexistent and eternal. A God of love who is preexistent and eternal. Walking in a manner that only God can do. Because we in our flesh can't do that. John 15, 12, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. We have the ability through the Holy Spirit in the power of the cross to love one another with God's love. <laughs> Luke 10, love your neighbor as yourself. Now our response might be like, who's our neighbor? And Jesus says, the one who's hard to love. Recap. The only way we will have a correct understanding of real, eternal love is by defining it according to its originator. God's love is sacrificial. God's love decreases distance. God's love is unconditional. God's love is a choice. And God calls us to follow Him in every one of these. We cannot truly love in our own strength. It only comes from having love Himself living 
in us and through us. I hope you're ruined now. I hope love songs sound so shallow all of a sudden. I hope every TV show with a love story in it is just like, that's not love. That's totally just emotion. Where's the love? I want to see some sacrifice. I want to see somebody elevating each other over themselves. I hope you're ruined because I want you to go into the world and give real life. And I want you to go in the world and recognize and look for real love. And when you go into marriage, I want you to hunger for real love. And I want you to give your friends real love. And I don't want you to hang around friends that aren't willing to give love. I don't want them to be influencers in your life. I want you to see God's love for what it is and nothing less. So here's your challenges. I'm giving you three. The first one, who do you need to forgive? Who have been holding bitterness against? Who do you need to forgive? Because forgiveness is sacrificial, closes distance. It certainly isn't based on conditions, and it takes a choice. If you're waiting to feel emotionally excited or emotionally close to someone before you forgive them, you will never forgive them. It must be a choice, a conscious, willful decision to say to that person in your mind or in person, I am releasing you. I am forgiving you. Forgiveness is an evidence of God's love. Challenge number two. I love this from Miko. How do you spell love? T-I-M-E. Your, yeah, shout out to Miko. He's awesome. Go and give someone, maybe not even bottom level. Maybe we work our way up to level two. Go and give someone your time. Nothing says I love you like time because you're choosing them. You're setting them apart from what you want to use your time for. Challenge number three, give inefficient love. The kind of love that's just not practical for you. The kind of love that makes you stop in your tracks when you have a thousand other things to do and say, you know what? I'm choosing you over my to-do list today. I'm choosing you over my schedule today. I'm going to give inefficient love. I'm going to stop everything I'm doing and write this card and write this note and send this text and look you in the eyes when you're talking to me. I'm going to give inefficient love. Elevate. Go and love somebody this week. Thank you, Heavenly Father. For your incredible love. You're incredible. Like, we can't even wrap our minds around love of these depths. And you would give us the grace to walk in them and have them come through us. Wow. Lord, I pray that you are empowering men and women of God in here to be sacrificial that you're empowering them to begin to close distances with people they thought they would never be close to. They would empower them to get over conditions and circumstances in histories and start loving the way you love because you got over us to love us. You went to the cross and sacrificed everything for us. Help us to get over ourselves. Lord, that we would choose someone other than us, that we stop making ourselves the idol and start loving you through how we love the people around us. First, second, third level. Oh, Lord, empower your people through your Holy Spirit. If there is anyone in here that doesn't know your love, Lord, I pray that you call them. Lord, I pray that they do not know peace until they know the God of peace. 
Lord, draw their heart, prick their spirit so that they can know what real love is like. Thank you, Jesus, for your presence, that you are Emmanuel with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. Episodes are recorded every Wednesday at Elevate Student Ministry. All students, 7th through 12th grades, are welcome.